Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, worlds, characters, ships, weapons and stuff were created 45 years on and we still love and celebrate everything Star Wars. This episode is all Star Wars as we completely geek out to find our top 10 Star Wars things. And here is Fact Hunter Neil with 10 Star Wars facts. Star Wars. Thank you very much, Pav. So, the original Return of the Jedi script had Luke Skywalker turning evil. In the first draft, the very first thing Luke takes off the Vader's mask, puts it on and says, now I am Vader, now I will go kill the rebel fleet and I will rule the universe. You're my only hope. Yoda was nearly played by a monkey. Before Frank Oz was involved, the original idea was to have a simian actor play him. (laughs) Samuel L. Jackson had the same quote from his wallet in Pulp Fiction engraved on his mace window lightsaber. It said, Pav? Uh, Bad motherfucker. That's it. Did it? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody utters the word Ewok in The Return of the Jedi. It's used in the script, the stage direction. Don't believe me? Watch it again. Chewie's roar and voice is a combination of a badger, a lion, a seal, and a walrus. <laughs> Lucas pondered using an actor like Olivier or Gilgood for the reveal of Vader, according to interviews, but knocked the idea on the head very quickly. <laughs> we all know Yoda's name was originally Minch Yoda, then shortened to just Yoda, but did you know originally he was going to be called Buffy? Hello there. A small island 1,500 miles away from New Zealand called Nui is the only place on the planet you can play for things with Star Wars coins. Laugh it up, fuzzball. And the line, I have a bad feeling about this, is spoken in every Star Wars movie. Even in The Last Jedi, it's squeaked by BB-8. This has been confirmed by director Ryan Johnson. 
And Benicio del Toro was going to play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, but left after more and more of his dialogue was cut. Matanki. Thank you very much, Neil. That's that so slick. Wonderful <laughs> stuff. Wonderful stuff. We are joined, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode. We thought, considering it's Star Wars, it has to be someone that knows a lot about Star Wars, someone that is a massive Star Wars fan, and also someone that we have a lot of... Uh, love for and so we have a lot of respect for unfortunately he wasn't available so we <laughs> managed to get steve nibs instead <laughs> the Yay! old ones are the best <laughs> uh, the, the, the good thing is as you know guys the feeling is so mutual i know oh, <laughs> always good to see you though steve always good to see you always good you now too. you've 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 loved star wars from the moment that it came out i'm, assu- I'm assuming uh absolutely i know we've talked about this before i was born in 1971 uh, I know I don't look it, but yeah, I was, so I saw it in Gloucester at the ABC cinema and it blew my mind. I remember just being completely obsessed with C-3PO and R2-D2. I think I was seven by the time it came out. Um, well, it would have been six, 78, wasn't it? So maybe I was just yeah. just seven. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, so yeah, I was completely blown away by it. And yeah, absolutely was right in the thick of the Star Wars generation. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because mm, I think Neil, you're the you're the youngest puppy then, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm 72, and yeah, it was the it was. You the look first good film. for 72, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. yeah, not bad, am I? No, I was born in 72, so yeah. Again, I saw it in Swindon, not not in the Gloucester way. Um, I saw it over in Swindon. I just remember falling in love with it. I'd never seen anything like it before, had we? I mean, it was just as a child, you know, a five year old, I'd have been. I was just mesmerised. I remember it so well. Mm. Yeah, I, I just I think that was it. I think, and, and then you, for me, it was then playing like as X wing fighters in the school playground with my mates and mm. and doing all that stuff. And it, and it was that. I mean, nobody'd seen anything like it. That was the point. I think yeah. it was the first science fiction space film where everything looked grubby and dirty and that sort of used universe, as George Lucas called it. Yeah. And so no, you know, before that, you had two thousand. 2001 A Space Odyssey that was all clean and um, and bright. And yet this was dirty and grubby and thousands of years old and also a long time ago. So mm. it was, yeah, it was it was brilliant. I mean, there's, when people say, what is it about Star Wars that you really like? And I, I can never really put my finger on it. It was just part of me, really, yeah, part of my yeah. generation. Yeah, I, I saw it at the, a, a flea pit cinema in Burnham-on-Sea when we were on holiday and my dad took me... And I, there's other, I can remember there being a Morecambe and Wise advert uh, for like chalk ices. You know, get your chalk ices from the glamorous lady. And then this old lady with a little tray that she was carrying came out. And it said that Star Wars was in um, stereo. But it was just like two crappy speakers on the back of the cinema. That's what their stereo was. But I can remember, I think like loads of people that scene where the ship like is coming over your head and it just keeps mm-hmm. coming and coming and I thought, Oh my, what is this? And I remember driving back to, I think it was unity farm in Breen thinking that the car that I was in was an X-wing and like, <laughs> like, it was nighttime when we were driving. It was just amazing. And it's, it's been like that ever since. I mean, Star Wars is a massive part of my life. And I love the fact that whenever anything Star Wars happens, someone will tag me on Facebook. Cause I think <laughs> it's Star Wars. Pav loves Star Wars. I'm going to let him yeah. know about it. If it's a a fire pit in the shape of Darth Vader's helmet or something mm. like that, they'll just I'll get I'll get you know I'll get tagged in that straight away. But it's it's an amazing that something like that, which is 45 odd years old now. I know, mm. isn't it? I've got a quick question for you both. Then, with your 
you know, mass collections of Star Wars uh, memorabilia, etc., that you've got. What is it that you both would still want? What is it, you know, your holy grail that you would like? I mean, for me, I I, I collect prop replicas of lightsabers, which you might be able to see some behind, behind here. Oh, yes. um, I always wanted Luke's lightsaber, mm. and I've got that one. So, I mean... It's, I think I've got to, I'm, I'm building it, I have been for about five or six years building a studio scale replica of the Millennium Falcon, not the full nice. size one, obviously. <laughs> but the, you know, the one that's about this big, and I collected all the magazines over a couple of years. That's still three quarters finished. I, you know, I think I'd like that to be finished. I just yeah. haven't got the, the space to finish it off because it needs all painting. So whether I'd want anything extra, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for buying the expensive books, you know, the sort of detailed books. But, um, mm. yeah, I think I've got all the lightsabers I need now. Mm. I think for me it would be a full-size hand solo in carbonite. Would it? I would love one of those. That would be cool. That would oh, be yeah, cool. Because you, they, would you do them where they I don't know, but they, you can, they make them into desks, don't they? I would love something like that. I think that would be amazing. Mm. I'd find somewhere for it, Neil. I mean, I've got so much crap everywhere. <laughs> I'd still find somewhere for it. It'd be the door to the shed. That's what it would be. Well, the ceiling above your bed, so you get a yeah. oh, wouldn't that be oh, looking, wouldn't looking down on you. <laughs> yes. I'm sure my wife would prefer that than me. <laughs> she won't watch this, will she? No, I'm sure she won't. Um, right, so what we're going to do, we've got our top 10 of Star Wars things to go through. But first of all, um, we were originally, I think, going to do Star Wars films. But I think with it, obviously there would be loads of duplicates in that. So what we're going to do, we are going to run through what we think our top 10 Star Wars films are. So um, we'll all say our number 10s. We'll do the same format, but we'll just run through them maybe chat a little bit about it at the end. So let's have your number 10 first, Steve. What's your number 10 Star Wars film? Which one of the sequels shall I, shall I choose? <laughs> uh, Phantom Menace. Okay. All right. Neil, what's your number 10? Last Jedi. Ooh, okay. My number 10 is Attack of the Clones. So Steve, your number nine. Attack of the Clones. Okay. Neil? Solo. Okay. Uh, mine is Rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> I knew that you'd say that, Steve. Right, Go on, Steve. Okay. Your number eight. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Neil? Uh, Attack of the Clones. Okay. My number eight is Phantom Menace. <laughs> Your number seven, Steve. The Last Jedi. Neil? Uh, Phantom Menace. Okay. My number seven is The Last Jedi as well. Uh, Your number six, Steve. Rogue One. Neil? Revenge of the Sith. And that is my number six, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, right, we're getting a squeaky bum time now. So, uh, uh, Steve, you're number five. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. We will talk about that in a minute then. Okay, Neil, number five. Rogue One. That's my number five. That's my number five, Rogue One. Uh, Gone then, Steve, you're number four. Force Awakens. Okay, Neil. Uh, Return of the Jedi. That's my number four. <laughs> I think we, I reckon, or well, maybe not. No, oh, maybe. Uh, you're number four then, Steve. Uh, we're not on number three. I, number three, yeah. Sorry, number three. Number three, yeah, a few because I was running out of films. Uh, <laughs> my number three is Return of the Jedi. Okay, Neil? Force Awakens. And Force Awakens is my number three. <laughs> uh, you're number two, Steve. Empire Strikes Back. Neil? New Hope, Star Wars. Mine is Empire Strikes Back. And Steve, your number one Star Wars and film New is? New Hope. Yours, obviously, Empire. Rise of Sky... No. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. 
Okay, and mine is A New Hope, and I think it always will be. The, the other ones, for me, always will change slightly. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, my number one will always be that. So like, I think the biggest thing we can talk about over there, um, Steve, is your number five, Rise of Skywalker. Now, I remember when you came in and did the Explore Some Spoilers podcast that mm. we did, you said that you loved the film, and yeah. I was a little bit indifferent to it. As time has gone on, you still obviously really like that film. Yeah, I'm a sucker for nostalgia kicks. I mean, it is full of plot holes. And when you look at what these things like The Mandalorian, um, you know, what John Favreau has done in Dave Filoni, you know, it's maybe they should have made the sequels in hindsight, but they didn't. J.J. Mm. Abrams made them uh, and Ryan Johnson. So I, I loved, I did like it. I, I thought the ending was fantastic. I watched it again only a few weeks ago, actually. Um, uh, I mean, in hindsight, I think I'd sort of misremembered the plot holes because I was just fanboying all the way through watching the film. Um, but I still think it's a really great film. I still really, really like it. And the ending for me is absolutely fine. It's cheesy. It's, uh, it's you know, what you'd sort of expect if you were going to do a, a wrap-up to a long-running series and make it a bit cheesy and a bit squirmy. But actually, I'm quite happy with that. It doesn't bother me. Right, right. Neil? I mean, it's not in my list at all. The more I've watched it, the least I've liked it, if that makes sense. I've got a huge problem with the lack of Finn and people like that in it. Um, it's so glaringly obvious that they're just sort of bit parts. And yeah, as Steve pointed out, the plot holes and visually it's stunning. It really is. It's a great looking film, but alas, the storytelling in it is woeful. I mean, interesting, there's, I don't know if you saw it, there's a script going around on the internet, which apparently is supposed to be the one that Colin Trevorrow wrote. Yes. Which is original, mm. and if you've read it, and that is an incredible script. I mean, you Absolutely. sort of wish, you wish they'd made that. Um, but, I mean, I, you know, I, I I think it's great. I love the bit with the Emperor coming back in it. I just think it's 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 really well done. And um, I, I agree with Neil over the, the Rose and Finn stuff. I mean, there should have been more of that. Um, and... You know, again, the plot holes are the bit that sort of knocks it down the list for me. Maybe I was being overly generous in hindsight, bearing <laughs> what you two have said. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm sticking yeah. with it. Well, yeah, the, thing, the thing I got and the thing that shook me to the core when the film came out, I went, I went and saw it. They did the um, the trilogy showing uh, in Swindon. So I was there for like, well, however long it was to watch all three films. And it was great to watch Force Awakens again. I love Force Awakens. Last Jedi, I can take or leave it. And then watching, it's like with any Star Wars film, when you watch it the first time, like you say, Steve, you get carried away. There's a lot of fan service in this, in The Rise of Skywalker. But I came out of the movie thinking to myself, oh my God, maybe Star Wars is just a movie. For me, it's been a religion. For me, it's always been like I cried at The Force Awakens. Every time I watched it with Luke at the end, I cried. And, I, and, and it got to me that like Star Wars for me is embedded in my DNA. It's, it's part of me. And to, for, a, for a Star Wars film to make me feel like Star Wars is just a movie when after I watched it, I was it really shocked me. Um, I had a few things going on in my life at the time and I don't know whether or not that had something to do with it. The fact that I had no emotion left inside me, that that, that might have been one of the reasons. So maybe the fact that... But even watching it now, with everything that's gone on, it's a little bit like the prequel trilogy for me. The prequel trilogy was a fantastic opportunity, but for some reason they didn't 
go the story route that I thought would have been the great way of of doing Anakin's rise and fall. And it was almost the same with that. It started off so well with The Force Awakens and they did such brave things like killing off Han. Spoilers, if anybody isn't <laughs> watching this, I'm sure they've seen it. That then they sort of seem to just steer away in weird, you know, to, to let Ryan Johnson then just do what he wanted to do and then have to try and rein it back in when Colin Trevorrow got fired and they brought JJ back. It just felt like it was a, such a wasted opportunity mm. and I was so disappointed. But like Neil said, the movie is beautiful to look at and there are times when I think to myself, um, you know, like my counsellor has said, just deal with the things that you can you have power over. Don't worry <laughs> about the things you don't. So I try and go, no, as films, they're, they're, they're fine. But these are for me, these are more than films. These are Star Wars films. And there was a, a, a chance for it to have been absolutely epic and the fact that a lot of the stuff in rise of, rise of skywalker makes no sense no sense whatsoever these ships that have been underground for th- hundreds of thousands of years who's been working on them where are yes. these people that are working on them now have they lived there these thousands of years where have they come from i don't I, I, if we that, that'd be two hours of the podcast gone if we yeah started. but it looked great though didn't it oh it looked amazing <laughs> that's what i'm saying it looked amazing it really did but there were like little bits when the rest of the the rebels or or whatever you want to call them turn up. You f- you felt that that they were going for the um, on your left bit from Avengers Endgame. Mm. That you thought, right, this is the bit when all the crowd are going to cheer. And I thought it just it wasn't earned as much. Mm. But that's the thing. I hate slagging Star Wars off because too many people do it these days. It seems to be uh, so popular to to be a toxic star wars fan now and i know that it gets clicks for youtube channels and stuff um it's fine i love star wars and <laughs> do I you feel do... better now pav i feel better now i've got that out of my way now we can celebrate the things that we love about star wars <laughs> yes. um see look number five I honestly don't know. <laughs> hey don't judge anyone i was gonna say this is the thing you everybody's Top tens are absolutely right, but they're absolutely right because that's that's how you feel about it, and that is the beauty of uh, film and of Star Wars that you can like what you like. Unless if you put Ghost, don't put Ghostbusters car into the top movie vehicle. Well, that's just fucking ridiculous, Neil. I mean, you wouldn't put <laughs> Exo One so in the top ten Steve, movie vehicles. So much. I have no, idea. did that? Me, I did. Neil, I didn't put it never in put, because how can you not put Ecto One in the top ten movie vehicles? Just, it was too of obvious. All time. It's not a vehicle that I wanted. <laughs> oh man you did have the back to the future delorean in there didn't you yeah oh yeah of yeah. course yeah. yeah of course of course right then top 10 star wars things so this could be anything anything star wars related so steve what's your number 10 my number 10 is a star wars moment in uh, rogue one uh, the moment when darth vader tries to get on board tanty four which is just that bit where the red lightsaber comes out uh, it is just spine tinglingly good, and, and and again, it was you know one of those moments that you that you think thought you'd never see. So that that whole crossover, uh, I mean, forget forget the sort of um, uh, deep fake, not Princess Leia, um, but the the, the 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 moment that he that he comes out there. That's yeah, that's one of my top ten Star Wars moments. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal so moment, isn't it? It really is. That's uh, that's every fanboy's wet dream, really, wasn't it? <laughs> 
Must speak honest. for yourself, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would have seen Leo in a slave costume, but I mean, if you if that no, but the, boat, it, Neil, was, it was the oh, it was amazing. Bit, you know, yeah, it yeah. was. And just you know the the force uh, that he uses, and with the the you know the rebels flying around, and you know it's just brilliant. And it, you know it's just that lovely moment with the beautifully framed shot, cinematically fantastic. The the lightsaber fires up through the smoke, and you you know you instantly know who it is. And that's the there's that great moment. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, and there's no compromise from him, is there? He's no. he's, he's not going to take prisoners. He's just going to kill them all. Yeah, he needs to get that tape. Yeah, fantastic one. Although Great he obviously hurt himself in that bit because when he fought Obi Wan, he was a bit croaky, wasn't he? That's yeah. right. That's long, right. Only only a matter of days later. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that um, this uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series is going to attempt to answer that a little bit. Yeah, it's got to, hasn't it? It's, it's got, got to, to do, because apparently, well, Hayden Christensen is in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and, and apparently they they will meet up again. So there's got to be something in there, just to, because they were both at the top of their game in Revenge of the Sith, mm, and yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't look particularly, particularly older in this TV series. He's not all grey, so it's good. Yeah, they've got to do something, because they've got to um, disable him a little bit. I think mm. even like you say, even in the Rogue One, he's 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 got half a dozen people firing guns at him, and he's he's still managing to like block it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? But he's yeah. just something obviously happened between there. He obviously caught his finger in the door or something <laughs> yeah. um, because he's yeah. a bit put, put the wrong he... ventilator in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did. Maybe his battery was running out. Yeah, problems <laughs> breathing, so he couldn't run around too much. <laughs> yeah, uh, go on then, Neil. You're number ten. So it's it is the Force. Um, just I I like the ideology of it. It's um, a wonderful th- theory and thought. Obviously, a great um, thing for the movies as well, which is what all the movies are about. Um, yeah, I don't know what else really to say about it, but it's the ideology of the Force really appeals to me. If it was a, you know, it's like a meditation, isn't it? So you can so use then, it in real life. What about during the prequel trilogy when? Lucas decides to make it more scientific than mystic with the <clears throat> with the um, midi chlorians. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can just forget about that and use okay, the mystic thing about that. because, <laughs> for God's sake, in that movie, Qui Gon Jinn's talking into a bloody razor, isn't he? So he is. Let's just. <laughs> yeah, Lucas doesn't always have the right answers, did he? Let's be honest. But no, I like the mystic side of it and keep it like that. So. Okay. Yes, it's, it's it's just uh, yeah the ideology of it I think is wonderful. It'd be great if it was real. And how I'll ask both of you this: if you're going into a department store that has automatic sliding doors, do you <laughs> pretend that you've got the force? No, but I will do now. That's great. Yeah, I've always done it. I've even done the noise. <laughs> yeah, I I find it funny because apparently there was footage of Ewan McGregor that he didn't realise he was being filmed and he was doing it to a door in the shop or something. Yeah, and I thought, oh my God, I, I do that. I do yeah. that sometimes. Yeah, I think it's got to be done. I've got, I've got to see you on uh, on film now, Steve, doing that. You've got to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah, my, my next TV report, if there's a door, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be excellent. <laughs> Okay, uh, my number 10, which might surprise people in being this low, um, because I love these, uh, and Steve, I know, loves these, uh, is the lightsaber. What? Oh, that's my number four. My oh. number two. Oh, okay. Um, and the noise it makes as well. Okay, oh, yeah. Lightsaber and the noise. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it's it. The whole idea of it, and 
anybody that has listened to me talk about Galaxy's Edge over the years, the, the spending stupid amounts of money on bringing six lightsabers back from Galaxy's Edge, I was still, I've got them up in my uh, in my dining room, I would still just grab one and just hold it. Because it's an amazing, just the idea of it, of a laser sword. Okay, a simple laser sword is fine. But the fact that everybody has a different one, and within the story, you have to make your lightsaber. You have to get the Kyber crystal and make it and build the lightsaber around it. And it's more of, again, a mystic thing to mm. create your lightsaber. Um, which, again, in Galaxy's Edge, I did... Uh, <laughs> uh, um, made my own lightsaber which again i cried i cried doing it i mean you're gonna yoda starts talking to you you're gonna cry making your lightsaber um as an actual weapon i think it is just a beautiful piece of art Mm. they just are Mm. and even the even the the toy ones the toy ones you still got to look at them and just you look in wonder at just the beauty of how they're designed but though that see this is where it this is where my disappointment came as a kid because the toy lightsabers that came out in the 70s oh, were basically I mean and I found a photo of one online. Uh I'll try to send it to you if I find it. It was literally a piece of red, it was the colour of your headphones, Pav, and it was a red plastic torch with a long plastic thing in it. I used to have and one. it looked it looked nothing like it did in the film. And this was my disappointment as a kid. So when I got older and I had a bit more of a um, uh, you know, I fell back in love with Star Wars. I thought, can I buy the actual props? And I've researched it. And there's a great backstory about how Roger Christian designed the lightsabers and they're made from these, you know, flash lamps from uh, old vintage cameras. That's right. And I've, I've, I've I managed to find one. I'm going to get my Luke Skywalker one because yes, that is my favorite. There we go. And they do look amazing. Mm. So that is what I wanted as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you managed to get one. And, it is just, you know, that is an old Graflex flash lamp with a bit of some rubber grips and a bit of tape on. Mm. And that's the lightsaber. And that's the, you know, that is, it is just absolutely fantastic. And you can imagine Roger Christian, the the um, designer of this, just find it, as he talks about finding it in a box in an old camera shop. And he goes, I found it, you know, and it is just lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It's a, all of the different designs. I mean, I, I like Luke's Return of the Jedi lightsaber that 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 was the yep. one that like when my wife um very sillily said to me which one lightsaber are you going to buy when we go to <laughs> go to, to disney world there you go there it mm, is nice. i said well it's going to be that one because i absolutely love that one i don't think the little block that's on the handle is very unpractical yeah it is it's to, 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 i've just realized my little green light's falling off must find oh, that no anyway yeah no. yeah it is i mean you would never design it like it's that. Not a, it's no. not a clever one for fighting. But this is, the, I mean, without getting too geeky about it, the, you know, the, this is the different, this wasn't obviously made out of a flashlight. This was uh, made on a, a lathe. You yeah. know, this is made out of a, a solid block of uh, of metal. So, um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, beautiful, as you were. So, so you're number four then, Neil. So is that your favourite weapon? Uh, yes, at the start. Well, it's so iconic. It's so iconic with Star Wars, isn't it? A lightsaber, the noise. I mean, you heard the story. We've all heard the story of Ewan McGregor when he first got his. He had to keep being told whilst filming to stop buzzing along with it verbally, wasn't he? So, And, um, and like Steve said, I mean, we all wanted one as a kid. We were all disappointed with the 70s version. But then coming into the 80s, there was a bit better choice. I was always disappointed with the um, plastic as well. Always seemed to, you know, for the actual, uh, the blade as it yeah. were. Yeah. Always broke. 
yeah. on the, the the second batch of the uh, things that came up. But yeah, I used to fight with my brother. We used to have lightsaber fights in the bedroom and or outside, and uh, one had to be the Darth. That's there the you one. Go. That's the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. It was basically a red ever torch. possessed them to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, crazy. But do you well, remember the lightsabers on the little figures as well, like Luke's weird bent stick? That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the figures used to have the little telescopic ones that were in yeah. the arm. Yeah, that's it. That's so it. disappointing. Yeah, yeah but so disappointing. They, and they do look great. And I mean, I, I absolutely <laughs> admire Steve's collection up there behind him. I think that just looks every. Yeah, I, I would love to have something like that on my wall. One day, wow. maybe. Well, perhaps, perhaps you know, it, it, perhaps you've got to go to Galaxy's Edge. And I mean, I, I I bought them from different prop makers around the world. Perhaps just mm. did the easy bit and spent loads of money, went to Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if yeah. only. Slightly more expensive I mean, version than mine. Something oh, got God. in the way for two years, being able to get over there. But we will get there one day. One oh, day. yeah. Make sure, you, make sure you do. Okay. Oh, um, right, so that was our number 10s. Steve, your number nine, please. My number nine is, sorry, because now that I've got my lightsaber photo up, <clears throat> my number nine is, we talked about it already, the Emperor in the Rise of Skywalker. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we knew that he was going to come back because Ian McDermott appeared at Star Wars Celebration. That's um, nice. But I just I just love the, I'm really into production design of, of stuff, and I just think that whole sequence at the beginning of the film with him tying, you know, plumbed into that machine i just I, I love the character anyway always have even sort of liked him a little bit in the prequels but for me that rise of skywalker the menace of it is is absolutely fantastic yeah absolutely loved it and again you know pre, you know announcing that he's ray's granddad um is a bit weird but then you know no one was expecting that were they yeah. <laughs> that's true that's true and he is great as especially as the emperor he is yeah, yeah. Um, he's a great character i think it's um that that moment in the Star Wars celebration when he came on, he goes, was it like roll it again? Yeah, <laughs> the go wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah. one thing. Well, I will say in a sec. The one thing about the trailers is that the trailers always sold the movies really, really well. Every single one of them. Mm. You know, every single one. But um, also, what an actor's joy to play the Emperor must have been because you could really hammer up and yeah. I just oh yeah, it must have been a complete. And it just, I think, what it gave you. I mean, again, with the production design, it gave you. I mean, that bit where Ray goes into the Death Star and that's that's crashed into the sea. You know, to 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 design the Emperor's throne room, mm. all mashed up and you know, it was just lovely. I loved that bit. I mean, I was, I was quite geeky. You know, oh, there's the window and there's the chair. Oh, look, yeah, you know, and yeah. um, came came back home and was comparing the two online to see how clever, it, you know, how close they got it to the original. And yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I love. Maybe I'm just sucked in by the production design rather than the story that's that's a lot of it i think that yeah. is definitely a lot of mm. it yeah um go on then neil you're number nine so it's a character and it's boba fett and this has a lot of meaning to me one um in the late 70s probably on the second star wars rerun in the uk cinemas there was a competition in the paper the sun newspaper which i entered and uh, you had to write about your favorite bit and I wrote about uh, how the Jawas shot R2 and he fell over and I won. And I won a load of characters, um, six of them. And they were probably a good 10, 12 inches high. And then after Empire Strikes Back came out, I still had these and I was playing with them. They were starting to get a bit worn and torn and broken. My mum and dad bought me the Boba Fett version to go with them all. And that's the only one I've still got because I love him. I love him to pieces. I wouldn't play with him because I didn't want to dirty him. I just thought he was the epitome of cool. 
looking and um i just love him still i mean i love the tv series i love the fact that it was like just like watching a leone western almost it was just like watching the mandalorian wasn't it well, yeah. it was a bit but it was a bit more slow it was a bit slower wasn't it it was a bit more it was more of a western than the mandalorian is you know it was like i said it was very comparable to the leone films to me yeah and i really enjoyed that and i just i still think he looks damn cool no, he's a great character. In fact, he's yeah. it, part of my mind. Number eight is the scene when he comes out of the Sarlacc pit in, right. in, in the book of Boba Fett, which I think yeah. is perfect for the fans and absolutely amazing. You know, I was comp- it was just compelling watching. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely great character and, and yeah. underplayed, and, and now he's finally got his place, um, a well deserved place in in Star Wars history. I think absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree that he's um, he's very very cool. I think the the TV series. I don't think was as strong as it could have been. I think the moment that the Mandalorian turns up, mm. I can mm. remember watching it and 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 I thought it was going to be Boba Fett behind the like the, the whatever shower curtain thing that he was behind. As soon as Mando came out, I went there he is. Ah, <laughs> bless him. Yeah, and and I think it sort of like gave a little bit of disservice to Boba Fett that like the best thing about his TV show was the Mandalorian. Yeah, it, well, I, I completely agree. It was great to see him, but then I was wondering when's Boba Fett going to come back? Yeah, and mm. actually, whether this is controversial or not, I don't know. Um, you know the 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 episode where they had Luke and Baby Yoda together. You know, really clever. He looked more like Luke this time. Really great. But I actually got a bit bored with it, and I thought, no, hang on, you've. My personal view was you've taken it too far now. We don't need to see all of this. This is playing purely into the fans' hands just because you can. Mm. And I actually, for the first time, I went. I'm just going to fast forward a bit because I've obviously it's not adding to the program. It was great, and it was you know doing the stuff that he'd done with Yoda. It's really great, lovely, but it was just too much and wasn't needed and didn't add anything. And I just thought a bit like the um, the you, you know the, JJ got criticised for doing fan service in his in his, pre, his sequels. It was a bit like that for me. They thought just because we can. We should, and, mm. and my view is they shouldn't have done. Mm. See, it's weird how people's my, opinions. I, mean, I absolutely love that episode, <laughs> especially for the fact that the difference between the the deep fake Luke at the end of Mandalorian series series two to that one is amazing. You wouldn't have known that that was a deep fake. You'd have thought that mm. somehow they they put Luke in the DeLorean and or Mark Hamill sent him back to nineteen eighty three. <laughs> And and filmed him then. It was amazing. And it for me, it is what the series needed because the show was starting to get a little bit stale for me. And I think it's because they didn't give Boba Fett enough to do. They made him too nice, you know, instead of being this ruthless bounty hunter, all of a sudden he was like a guy that wanted to look after the people. And I thought, no, that's not what Boba Fett should be doing. He should but be. But do you not think that all his time living with the sand people and that and, and training and regaining his health and back from the brink I mean, that's, there yeah. might have changed how he was, you know? Yeah. And then seeing the slaughter of those, you know, by the those other people, I don't know. That's why I think he went like he did. Mm. I'm not saying I don't don't like the series because I do like the series. I think, but for me, as soon as I saw Mand, I think it's because I love the Mandalorian. I think that's Mm. what it is. I'll have him in anything. I don't. I don't care. (laughs) Um, uh, My number nine. I mentioned about the trailers. My number nine is the Phantom Menace trailer. I can remember the talk of them saying that there was going to be another because George Lucas always said that it was only going to be there will never be any 
you know, prequels or anything. It's always, there's never going to be six movies or nine movies. It's just going to be the three. And I can remember working, I was working at Honda at the time. And my wife on my whatever crappy mobile phone I had in 1999, whenever it was, she said, I've just watched The Big Breakfast, she said, and listened to this. So I was listening on my phone and I could hear the start of the trailer. I said, that's not the fucking Phantom Menace trailer, is it? She went, yeah. I said, gee, I've got to get home. i got to get home. <laughs> and I remember watching it like, I don't know how many times and just seeing... Darth Maul lighting mm. up his double-ended lightsaber and seeing these weird creatures with long ears that look like rabbits, but like, you know, amazing, absolutely amazing. And there was something about that trailer that made me, I just could not wait for the film to come out. And the first time I saw the film, absolutely loved it. It was the best Star Wars film I ever saw. Gave it like two or three weeks, and I thought, no, actually, maybe, maybe <laughs> it's not quite as good as I thought it was. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I've kind of sort of grown to love it a little bit more now, but I think that's in with having the mindset of just you can't change anything about it. Just look at it as a film and just enjoy it. Yeah, and, enjoy the ride. Yeah. yeah, and it's got everything that you want. It's got good lightsaber battles. The battle between Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul at the end, I think, is just fantastic there's so much that one sort of melee that they're doing and then they both stop at the same time it's fantastic um mm. it's got everything you want in a star wars film but again plot wise i maybe would have changed a few things maybe george lucas needed someone just to say george let's have a bit of a rewrite let's you know yeah i paid to go and see the prince of egypt just so i could watch the trailer because that's where it first dropped right right yeah I can't remember the Prince of Egypt at all. But yeah, yeah I remember the trailer coming on, on the big screen. Oh, lordy. Good times. Yeah. Um, okay, so Steve, you said the Boba Fett Sarlacc pit moment was your number was eight. My number, nine, my number eight, yeah. Yeah, was. so Neil, what's your number eight? So the vehicle, and it's the X-Wing. Um, oh, just, yeah. None of that's on my list. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I just, um, it's one of those ones. I've got a few Lego models of an X-Wing behind me uh, tucked away. Um, I love the design of this. And um, like Steve said, in the playground after seeing the movie, and especially uh, um, after Empire Strikes Back, we're seeing Luke take it down. We we all had an X-Wing. It was your turn in the playground to be the X-Wing pilot. Or I always remember there was always a kid who had to play the droid in the back. <laughs> poor, poor, <laughs> sod, poor sod. But... Um, it's just, I know we ban this word around, but it's another iconic vehicle, isn't it? Movie vehicle. It's, um, you know, it's synonymous with Star Wars itself. You know when you see one what it's from. And I dare say, apart from if you're a newborn, you know, most people would know what it is. And, yeah, it's a great-looking, great-looking thing. Because it almost looks like those biplanes that you used originally to fill in the... Um, the dog fights didn't he um, yeah yeah and it's still got yeah. that look to it so it's got like an old-fashioned look yet modern and i love that design i really do love the way they did those yeah yeah agreed it was, it was only a few years ago that i that i realized or found out that they're called s foils and not x foils when it says put put your s foils in attack position which is like the to make it look like an x Right. I always thought it was an X foil because so they're, they're an X. No, it's an S foil apparently. Oh, right. 
Really? That's a level of geek that I didn't. Uh, I, I, I not. <laughs> you know what, uh, Steve? No. I was I was expecting you to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, what, I what, how did that. you not know that? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you're right though. It's it, it all goes down to production design again. It's the, yeah. just amazing stuff that looks like it's got its perfect place in that universe, in that galaxy. Um, and I always remember a few years ago, I was lucky enough to go to the secret cinema Star Wars, which is this immersive uh, cinematic experience. And you spend the first three hours walking through the first film and then you go and watch The Empire Strikes Back and they recreate scenes from the film. So you you go into this, we went into this warehouse effectively that had been turned into Tatooine and then you ended and you went on a ship and you ended up on the Death Star. And then they do the bit at the end, the trench run at the end. And, you know, you're in this huge hangar of a warehouse and if you Google Secret Cinema Star Wars, this, this, you know, I was with my wife and daughter and I cried at this moment. Okay. The X-Wing comes out of the ceiling, right? Oh, wow. And, and shoots at the Death Star. And and it not only does it come out and fly down, it lands and Luke gets out, okay? So it was, oh, wow. you know, it was just, and you've got a thousand people cheering. It's yeah. like, it's, it's just the most incredible experience. And to see a full-size X-Wing fly down, and uh, and land and Luke get out and everyone's going, yeah he's done it you know it was amazing absolutely incredible oh, I'll never man. ever forget it yeah that is amazing did you get that in Galaxy's Edge Pal no no <laughs> <laughs> I mean look, I was I was stood in front of the Millennium Falcon but I mean that yeah I would love to go to one of those things especially if it was a Star mm. Wars thing I bet that must be amazing. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It is. They've just announced Guardians of the Galaxy. <gasps> have they really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where's, are they, are they They're in wh- London. It's in London, yeah. London, I mean, we, we've been to a few of them. I don't work for them at all. I just, you know, <laughs> I just really love the whole 
the whole experience. Yeah, we've been to a few of them. They are really, really good. Oh, very, very good. Yeah. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy would be good, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. A giant Groot will come down. Yeah. yeah. That's I'd like great. to say that the immersive cinema experiences are available, but I don't think they are. No. <laughs> <laughs> Secret cinema have got it sewn up. Fair play. Uh, my number eight is something from The Mandalorian, um, and it is Grogu. Um, as anyone can see behind me, I have a, a vast collection of different sized Grogu's um, or Baby Yoda, as it was originally. I can remember watching that very first episode, and it finishes with um, Mando just poking his finger into this like pram kind of thing and this little finger sort of poked back at him and we were wondering what the hell it was and it's just a stroke of genius to make Mm. it a baby yoda no one who would have known about that show would have predicted that that's what it would have been it would have been a Mm. baby sized yoda that was 50 years old um fantastic bit of design it's the cutest thing you've ever Mm. seen and it is also just a fantastic storyline that this, it's the the wolf and the cub. It's this hardened uh, mercenary bounty hunter, whatever you want to call, finally finds his heart. He has to protect this little child. And um, I'm a sucker for that. I absolutely sucker for that. So, uh, yeah, that's my number eight. And also it's a clever bit of marketing as well, isn't it? Because you know, not only is it a cute character, but you can sell loads of merchandise all the kids love it, whether they've seen The Mandalorian or not. My daughter went, oh, there's this really cute Baby Yoda thing. I went, yeah, 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 well, it's, it's on the telly. And, you know, uh, so very, very clever. Very yeah. clever. It was with very that, clever. With the Build-A-Bear and all that stuff. That we, yeah. <laughs> you can't beat it. No. You can't beat it. Uh, right then, Steve, your number seven, please. My number seven is the cantina scene in A New Hope. Nice. Which, again, is just fantastic, you know. I think it's one of the things I remember as a kid of watching the film. I think it's the first time you just saw all these weird and wonderful aliens and characters. And there's that, that moment of drama when Obi-Wan chops off Dr. Thingamajig's arm, whose name I always forget. Um, great cameo of them in uh, Rogue One, of course. Yeah, um, right. And, you know, the, you've got all that and you meet your hand in Chewie for the first time and you're getting a sense of this, this, well, it's a place of scum and villainy. It is just absolutely brilliant. And I've, I just love the whole scene and, you know, R2 and C3PO being kicked out because they're droids and it's just, it's just wonderful. And I, you know, when we went to, to secret cinema, they had one there that you can go to have a drink in. So that was quite nice to stand at the bar, but I, yeah, for me, that was, that was a, it's an iconic scene. It is. It really is. Figuring and Dan and the modal nodes. That's just what I was going to ask. Remind us what it was. That was the, the name band. of the band. And I was just going to try and, cause that was one of my movie songs, wasn't it? It was. That first one, and it's got. A, did you know how to title of that song? Has it got really? No, it has. It is called. Hang on a sec. It is called "Mad About Me." Wow. <laughs> there you go. That's what it's called. That one's called "Mad About Me." Who knew? Well, there you go. Yeah, that was number two in my movie. Went to the secret cinema and you went to the bar. Did they serve Star Wars related drinks or was it just normal? No, I had a beer. Were they offering other drinks? No, they weren't. No, no, it was no. That was how they made their money. I think extra money that you said drinks. Yeah, but on the cantina scene, in terms of the production design, there's a lot of the bits behind the bar where the drinks come out of are parts of a Rolls Royce jet engine. And it's also the bit that makes IG-88's head. 
Right. And at the, it's a bit of local knowledge for you, not far from you guys, at the Aviate restaurant at Cotswold Airport. Yeah. If you go in there for a cup of tea and you can just go for the cat, you can go and watch the planes. They've got three of them above the bar, which they've turned into lights. And I walked in and I went, oh, you got IG88's head. And they went, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know There you that. go. Wow. So, you Gal- Galaxy's Edge, you can go for a drink in the cantina, mm. but... Can you? And I you can know, have blue I, milk. Can you? Couldn't get in there. Oh, you can have blue and green milk on the street, but yeah, I couldn't get a reservation to get into the cantina because it's always it was always. Um, oh, but also, an excuse to go back. Yeah, in in LA, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, there's a scum and villainy cantina, which is like, um, yeah, I mean, they call it scum and villainy because they're not allowed to call it anything Star Wars. Yeah, but there is like a, a mock up of the cantina. Uh, oh great like a, like a pop-up bar that you can just go and oh, have wow. drinks Amazing. why wasn't that there when we went I know well, that's where Kevin Smith does his uh, Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond podcast oh is he in there yeah, yeah. Uh, go on then Neil you're number seven so it's a sassy little droid it's R2D2 um, it's sort of the first oh, number six is it <laughs> number six so who knew that Dusty Bin could become <laughs> really trendy no it, it is um, I mean there we go there, there it is, is. we've all got droids everywhere but it, I think he's a fantastic little character I love his little sass the way he argues I mean you, when you listen to him beep and twerp and tweet you you sort of you, you sort of know what he's saying don't you you can follow along but he's so collectible and every I mean I've got him on my key ring I've got him in my car as the air freshener and everything still to get the same thing I think he just looks cool compared to the droids that we were used to I remember I mean the only one I sort of seem to remember watching as a young age was silent running do you remember that Mm, yeah and uh Dewey and they called him Dewey and Louie was it the little I've seen it the sins and that was that you knew that was a man inside something when I was a kid, I you know, at the same age, I didn't know there was a little Kenny Baker inside of R2. I thought it was like remote control and off he went. But I just think he looks amazing. I think it still holds up. The design of him looks great now. Actually, I've just thought, I know you asked us earlier, what was the one thing I'd still like? I would like a full-size R2-D2. Actually. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would, wouldn't it? I mean, I do follow the, R2-B, the R2-D2 Builders Club on Facebook. And yeah, yeah. they're just amazing. And yeah. You would have seen them at Star Wars Celebration, you know, when we all met up. They had an amazing, yeah. just all these, that long row of R2s they had, didn't they? they? Did, yeah, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, it was just incredible. Real, yeah. really great. $25,000 at Galaxy's mm. Edge if you want to buy one. Really? Yeah, full size, yeah, yeah. Next time I'm there, mate, I'll get you one, which I like. Yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get me one as well. I'll get you one as well. I'll have two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Uh, so my number seven... Um, is the I Love You, I Know scene from Empire Strikes Back. Um, I've got a tattoo that says I Love You, I Know, um, which my wife got me for uh, for one birthday that that I didn't realise I was going for a tattoo. And she got the same, uh, slightly different, but the same words uh, as a tattoo as well. I think it tells you everything you need to know about Han Solo as a character, that scene. Mm that it is absolutely perfect. And it gets called back in Return of the Jedi where uh, he says the same thing to Leia and Leia says, I know back. Um, I, I, I think it's one of those, it's one of the scenes, I never put it down as, a, as one of my Star Wars things because this sort of encompasses the whole thing. Um, and the fact that it was a, 
an ad lib. It wasn't the yeah, line was that that, that, that uh, Harrison Ford was supposed to say. Um, it, and it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect as a character thing for Han Solo to say to the woman that he loves. Mm. <sighs> yeah, it is. It's an incredible scene, and um, the the, the uh, that that moment, the fact it is ad libbed and it was improvised on the day, just says a lot. And it was it's. it's Sometimes some of the things that become the most iconic are the things that are done on the fly, and it just that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's because yeah. you've got somebody that knows the character, and somebody knows that that Han Solo wouldn't say "I love you" back. He's not he's not that type of person, but he'll say "I know." I, I fucking love that. I absolutely <laughs> love it. I do. And do you know? Do you want to know a little secret about the set? Go on. So uh, when we interviewed Norman Reynolds, who's the production yes. designer. So he said to Irvin Kirshner, who was a director, he built the set on the Friday and he, he showed, he said, I remember him saying to me, he said, I showed Kirsch the set on the Friday and it was a big circular set. And Kirsch said, Norm, I can't film on this. There's nowhere for cameras. I can't film on it. You'll have to sort it out. And it was a Friday. He said, so we all went home for the weekend. He said, so I spent the whole weekend thinking, what am I going to do? It's one of the most important scenes in the film. Came back on the Monday, we had an early meeting with our designers and what, what we're going to do with this. And um, anyway, we turned up, we thought we're just going to have to go for it. And, and Kirsch turned up and he went, Norm, that set, greatest set of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he'd forgotten that on the Friday, he'd said it was the worst set of all time. He couldn't shoot in it. So this is a great set. Once they put the cameras and the lights in, he suddenly realised how great it was. Yeah. So Norm had 48 hours of absolute panic. I I'm mean, lucky, lucky he forgot. Very lucky to have met. I mean, he is an absolute genius, Norman. Reynolds. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The the full interview is still available on YouTube. There I just did the go. course then. I just did no, the well <laughs> You will watch it. <laughs> Finish watching this one first, and then go and then go and watch it. Um, but yeah, I don't think Star Wars would look like Star Wars if it wasn't for Norman Reynolds. No, absolutely, um, and. You know him and his team that uh, that worked on it for all the, all the. It was he was art director on A New Hope and then production designer for uh, Empire and Jedi, and you know that they 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 gave it the Star Wars look. Obviously, all based on Ralph McQuarrie's drawings, mm. but you know they got the they got the used universe right, didn't they? And absolutely, you know, absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so Nibsy, your number six was R two D two. It was. Yep. So Neil, what is your number six? So this goes back again to childhood. I always wanted, we spoke about this, toys that we wanted. Um, I always wanted the Millennium Falcon, never got it, my brother did. But my mum and dad bought me the Atat, And I did fall in love with it. And or, and completely, completely still think it's a great design. I mean, when they rock up in um, Last Jedi, I just think it looks amazing still. And yeah, I mean, I don't know where they got the idea from it for. And the whole sequence in Empire Strikes Back at the beginning on Hoth when they attack, I think it's one of the... I know it's looked very dated now with the effects and everything, but I think it's one of the greatest openings in movie history myself. I wouldn't say it does look particularly dated. Oh, some of the no. back screenshots. Are, yeah, um, but 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 as an, as an action sequence... It's still phenomenal, it's isn't fantastic. it? It's fantastic. I mean, I don't think they're particularly practical... Weapons. See, the only thing that gets me with it is they're so slow. Yeah. It takes them a long time to get anywhere. Yeah. Why didn't the rebels go in blow them up earlier? Because they knew they were coming. Yeah. They waited until <laughs> well, they got really that. close to the base. And then they <clears throat> and then they had a go. It's like the attic, yeah, there'll be a few days yet. Oh, we'll wait till they get closer before <laughs> exactly. they, you know, before we, you know. one of the yeah. things I'd love to get is my attack back, another one. I'd love to have that up on my wall or on yeah. my shelf again. Yeah. 
I really did. I, I fell in love with it. I mean, I was always disappointed I never got the Millennium Falcon and bitter than my brother did. But yeah, I, I did fall in love with that and I still pine to get one again. If you can help Neil get his at-at back, call the number yeah. on your screen now. <laughs> That's it. We'll have a whole night dedicated to it. We'll get celebs yeah. and everybody. And there'll be the short I... five-minute videos of me weeping that I haven't yeah. got it anymore. I just thought as well, after Steve said about the fact that they are so slow, all the rebels need to do was, was to dig a massive trench. There's no way that they would have got over. <laughs> they couldn't, like, the Datats couldn't jump, could they? They'd have been fucked. Well, they'd not know where to go. Of. Not that you know of. We didn't know if R2 could fly, could we? Well, that's true. So yeah, we don't know. Is, they might be true. able to jump. They might be able to run on their back legs. Who knows? <laughs> that is true. Okay. Uh, mine number six um, is, again, Steve mentioned this, is actually Star Wars Celebration of 2016. Um, to be in the same room as Mark Hamill and mm. uh, the late Carrie Fisher, we were very lucky, Neil, weren't we? Because we, we, we decided beforehand which shows we wanted to go to and you had to get there at like six in the morning to get your wristbands for certain shows and certain... Um, what were, they, were they talks or meetings or whatever they called Presentations. them? Presentations. Presentations. And we got everyone we wanted to go to, didn't we? We, we did. were very lucky. So we saw the Rogue One um, yep. presentation where one of the guys gave a massive spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> one of the guys died in it. Did he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he said yeah, it live yeah. on the stage. He, um, the Donny... Donnie Yen, is it? Yeah, Donnie Yen. But it's not He's the one that died. It was his mate. Because he couldn't speak English very well. And he mentioned, and as soon as he said about the fact that, oh, yeah, Donnie dies, everyone looked and went, oh, no. (laughs) So, yeah, it was was so much fun. Warwick Davis dressed up as an Ewok and being um, chased around by Carrie Fisher's dog. Oh, that was funny. That was great. And then he he came up to me on his... um, what do they call them? What are those scooter things? Segways. Segway, Segways. Yeah. And asked me to do a chewy impression. <laughs> and apparently played, there was loads of people that did it because I kept getting text messages saying, just seen your big ugly mug on the big screen doing a chewy impression. <laughs> Amazing. It was a fantastic weekend. It was so mm. much fun. It was tiring, but it was like, it was it so was. much fun. Back yeah, the- I hope it comes back to the UK again because it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you were completely in nerdland, weren't you? Oh, yeah. it was fantastic. And but it's um is it in Florida or is it in LA in June? Yeah, I think it's in the States in June, yeah. 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 So yeah, so they're back doing it again. Hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it'll come back here again because mm. yeah, I, I couldn't afford to do the to get photos or because it was like hundred, no, they're, they're stupid. They're stupid mm. prices for, for a photo, yeah. Absolutely. Crazy. Then again, I suppose if you know now what you know then, you might have got Carrie Fisher's autograph or a photograph of Carrie Fisher, but you wouldn't have known, you know. You wouldn't, but you, would you sell it? No, I wouldn't sell it. No, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Anyway, well, maybe if you could get another trip to Galaxy's Edge, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe, or go on the Star Cruiser. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. that? I have. Thing? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that for for was it four thousand eight hundred dollars? Do you fancy doing that? It's tempting, not for that price. No. Because I've got no one else that'll go with me. Like my, my wife and well, daughter. Well, we're not going there with you. You'll just be looking like that and stuff. Yeah, if so, we got uh, one more person, that like, we could all share one cabin and it'd be like $1,500 each. 
Well, there's a thought. Yeah, there's a there's thought. There's a thought. There's a thought. But imagine that three of us and another guy, or well, or a lady. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sharing a little cabin. Oh, there's only one. Yeah, you might have to pay me for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, Steve, your number five, please. My number five is the trench run in a new home. Oh, We've talked, nice. talked about this briefly, haven't we? Yeah. Again, it's just moments in moments in cinema history for me that have that that were really iconic. And that is just full of great uh it's full of jeopardy. You think that Luke's not gonna make it, then he misses, and then that lovely moment when Han uh, comes in in the Falcon and uh, just Woo-hoo! gives you that little nudge, that little bit of a helping hand yeah. uh, with Ghost Obi Wan geeing him on as well. I mean, it's just the most amazing um, piece of cinema, and you know, looks as fresh today as it did all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And considering they did it with well, no CG, it was all blue screen and, and running down a model of the trench. And in fact, a really good friend of mine, Richard Greenaway at Points West, he got me this. Um, He's got a friend that makes these, and he sent me this as a present. And it's a little 3D render of the um, oh, the gotcha. exhaust port. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's nice. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can see it brilliantly well. Mm. But, yeah, but yeah, cool. it's really, really nice. It's just got the amazing detail on it. Because you could buy bits of it at Star Wars Celebration, couldn't you? That's yeah. right. The original one, it was like six grand for a turret or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah, so for me, that, that was great. I remember seeing the... Um, the behind the scenes making of where they put the, the, the Death Star out in the car park and just ran a, a camera really low over it. Um, yeah, really fantastic. Mm. See, that sort of piece of art that you got there, only a Star Wars fan is going to know what that is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You could show a yeah. Star Wars fan that and he's going to go, oh my God, that's the exhaust port. Show anybody else and they're not going to, what the hell is that? What have yeah. you got that in a frame for? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is that is really cool. That is really cool. So um, that's number four. Five, sorry. That was number five. Okay, then Neil, you're number five. So we talked to well, Steve talked about him briefly in a scene. I'm going to have him as a full character and probably one of the greatest movie villains of all time is Darth Vader. I think um, just the whole look of him, the sinisterness. He was scary when I was younger. I was always um, scared of the scene when he, you know, when the um, when Leia's in the in the cell and the ball comes in with the needles and everything. That always used to scare me as a kid. That little bit. Vader coming in. It used to worry me. I don't know why. Um, mm, that big needle. Yeah, probably. Uh, but Vader was always quite, you know, intimidating as a child as well. And I still, I, I think now, I mean, if I could have, I would love to get a Stormtrooper outfit. It wouldn't look great on me. A bit, you know, a bit short for a Stormtrooper. No, I'd be a bit chubby for a Stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'd love to get the, a proper Darth Vader as well and have that. I think that would look fantastic if, if not just the helmet. Um, well, the, the the black if you can see on the, the up on the top there, yeah, the black series Darth Vader helmet is fantastic. It is really well detailed. Mm. A little bit claustrophobic because you've got to put something around your neck, right? As well as putting the, the main bit on, but that's got some heft to it. That I mean, yeah. next time you come round, Neil, you can I'll try put the Darth helmet Vader on. helmet on. Yeah, you'll try that. That was the one thing I meant to say about the the trench run. I was watching it again on Disney Plus, where it's like you know, ultra HD and everything. One scene in the trench run when it shows Vader's helmet, I'd never, and all the, what's that, 45 years of watching the movie, you can see the person behind the, behind the mask. Can you? You can see his eyes. I took a screenshot of it and put it up on Twitter. I said, I've never seen this before. And it doesn't look like it's Dave Price. It must be just like somebody else. I'll see if I've still got, I'll send it to you, Steve. And I'll put it up on, uh, on the YouTube 
on the you god i sound so on old i'll put it up on the youtube you're gonna put it on the world wide web i'll put it yeah. on the, the, the www dot um and i was i was mesmerized i thought i've never noticed that before you can see the guy's eyes oh goodness really that, yeah no. really really strange i'll find it and i'll put it i'll send it to you as well neil well, darth vader is my number four actually it was mainly oh, okay. it was the bit it, it was the bit where um he says, Luke, I'm your father. It's an amazing moment, but I, I wanted to talk more about the character. So I'm young, yeah. real, great, a great character. Um, but, you know, what a difference it would have been if they hadn't used James Earl Jones as the voice. Uh, what, yeah, those, those great videos of Dave and his, um, you know, bless him, much missed Dave Price and his lovely Bristolian accent. Not yeah. very menacing, I would suggest. Darth no. Tractor, they called him on set. Darth Tractor. They did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean... Again, it's going to be interesting whether James Earl Jones comes back for the Obi-Wan series. I mean, he has to. I'm sure he will. Yeah, um, he's I mean, got to, yeah. You, yeah. But I don't know whether he did for the uh, like the Clone Wars or, or Rebels or whatever. I don't know if he did the voice. I'm not then. sure. I'm it not doesn't sure. really matter for any of the animated series, I suppose, does it? No, no. But it, it, yeah, it feel, it's been very good with the fact that they, like, Ian McDiarmid, he managed to do all the movies. You know, nothing's happened to him. James Earl Jones the same. John Williams with the music has managed mm. to do all of the, the the movies, and it's that continuation that sort of makes it feel a little bit more special. Yeah. Um, do we know whether Ian McDiarmid is going to be in Obi Wan? Is, is is the Emperor going to be in Obi Wan? They haven't the said list. anything. No, they yeah. it's all been about like Hayden Christensen. Mm. But then, but then he's been in hiding, hasn't he? When he was thrown down the. The, the the vent the shaft there well yeah but this is this is between episode three and four isn't it so uh, the emperor uh, hasn't hasn't died yet yeah the emperor's still alive the emperor's yeah, still alive yes he is isn't he? yeah of course well he never really died did he that's but yes on. that's true <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what I was yeah. going to say he never yeah, really pre, died but yeah, yeah pre shaft yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could lower the tone with that, but yeah. I'm not going to. I don't know what uh, you mean. No, my number five uh, is Luke's return in the Mandalorian series two final, uh, the finale, sorry. Now, I know that the, the, the deep fake wasn't particularly fantastic in regards to that. It was a little bit ropey. But that actual scene, when you hear the beep, 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 and I can't remember which character says it, but says, oh, one X-Wing. I mean, that's not going to really help us out, is it? And then you see that cloak figure and you think they, they, they're they not. They're not going to bring Luke back. They can't yeah. do. And then you see the, the green lightsaber and you think, this is fucking epic. Oh, my yeah. God. You've only got to go on to the YouTube and see yeah. all of the um, the reaction videos where people are crying. That um, That is my number three, actually. Oh, I, think, okay. I think it's probably one of the greatest Star Wars moments ever. Mm. I yeah. think it's just... I was, I remember when I was watching it, I'm in my basement at the moment and directly above is our lounge and my wife and daughter were down here watching some house programme or something. I said, I've got to watch the finale of The Mandalorian and, it, and I was cheering and I was crying and they came, what's the matter? Well, you've got to look at this. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It magical. Absolutely. And the fact that you couldn't really see it properly because they were watching, the some of it was on like a CCTV and just fantastic seeing Luke in perfect like Jedi Knight action yeah not just killing them with a lightsaber but using the force to crush them and and move them out of the way um and then just the beautiful moment of grogu saying goodbye to to mando it's just fantastic it's everything that you want in in star wars and like you said steve at that moment the first thing i thought of was god why didn't they give 
John Favreau, the you know the trilogy, the the, the sequel trilogy. Mm. You know, it, I think there's a meme going around, isn't there, of J.J. Abrams saying it's really difficult to please everybody when you're making a Star Wars sequel, and John Favreau's going, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> you know, that makes so much um, sense. Uh, but and don't forget, of course, in that scene, R2D2. Yeah, you know that was yeah. that was a lovely moment. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a great. It is a great scene, and um, yeah, I can watch that all the time. You get a little bit disappointed by the Uncanny Valley sort of deep fake, but so you get a little bit annoyed at that. Yeah, but, and it's almost like I'd rather they hadn't shown him close up because he's moving really slowly close up, and his voice is very different. But we know it's not real Luke, so you just got it. It's only a film. It's only exactly. A film. Exactly. Yeah. But then, like watching it from the Boba Fett series, how different and how much better it is between what would have been what a space of a year. Mm. Imagine what the deep fake is going to be like in another year's time or two years time. They could easily do um, like a, a Luke Skywalker series. I think using that technology where it's Luke starting up his Jedi training and what happened with all of that, um, whether they will is another thing, but I just think it's that technology is there now that they could have, they could bring anybody back now. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I sort of disagree with that. I, they can do it, but again, it's, you know, I, I think a series of Luke, that'd be too much for me. Do you think so? I, I think so. Yeah. I, they don't need to do that. I don't think. Um, no, no. I, I'm sure there is a demand for it, but again, the, you know, we disagree, don't we, over that scene in, in Boba Fett that, you know, that, that episode. So I think just because you can, doesn't well to, to quote Jurassic Park. Yeah. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should or, what, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's something like um, that. Yes, I, I, I agree. Uh, to but be it, fair, I think it's like that with any of the TV. Like they don't need to fill in what Obi Wan Kenobi did in between Episode Three and Episode Four, but it's going to make very interesting TV. And just to have Ewan McGregor back mm. is going to be is going to yeah. be great. Um, okay, so that was my number five. So, Steve, your number four was Darth Vader. My number four was Darth Vader, yeah, and my uh, number three was Luke's appearance in the Mandalorian. So okay. I've got that. And Neil, your number four was the lightsaber. It was. Uh, my number four, we've spoken about it pretty much all the way through this, is Star Wars production design. Just the whole, all of it. I think mm. there isn't any other f- film or um, t- series of movies where every single piece of Star Wars design is just on the nose, fantastic. I will I will look at the Millennium Falcon. I will look at the TIE Fighter. I've got all my pop figures here. The Slave One, the Rancor, any bit that is designed, the droids, Vader, Kylo Ren, it's perfect. It, none of it ever looks um, for, oh, forced, if you <laughs> pardon, pardon the pun. See what you did there. Yeah, so, yeah, it always looks like it is absolutely practical to the galaxy and the world that they're in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas you look at some, um, I, I think things like Tron, and some of that it looks like they've made that to try and make it look cool and it doesn't seem to work. Whereas mm. Star Wars, everything in it, the guns, every weapon, mm. Um, but like you say, Steve, it's all made from stuff that is just lying around. Yeah, um, I mean, all, all of the, the the stuff in the first film, none of that was really bespoke. I mean, the, the Stormtrooper guns were adapted rifles that they found in a musician's, yeah. uh, a musician's uh, shop. And yeah, everything was just made to, obviously, the the 
the vehicles were different. But yeah, it was just all made to look really old. And what what a genius idea that we don't want it to look new. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we're not doing two thousand and one. And you're right. I think they were working on very tight budgets to a to a schedule to a film that none of them really knew what it was about until they saw the first or second cut. So nobody really knew what was going on. It was only in George Lucas's head. Yeah. Um, but it, it just one of those magical times in life where everything just came together. Yeah. Well, uh, Jamie Benning, who joined us for the movie vehicle um, episode, uh, has a great podcast called Filmumentaries. And uh, he's been putting up on Twitter some behind-the-scenes photos of, uh, I think, A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. And there's a picture of just stacks of airfix models that the guys from the first movie, that's what they used to break up and and use little giblies, giblies or something. Greeblies. Greeblies. Yeah, it's called kit bashing. Yeah, that's how they did it. So, yeah, Yeah. you know, and and I'll talk about it in a minute because it's higher up my list. But, yeah, when you make the models, it's all replicas of the the airfix kits that they used. Yeah. And some people... You know, they, they're passionate about getting the original airfix kits and the little bits and making the models with the with original parts, not 3D printed ones or, or replicas. Mm. Amazing, yeah. It's also um, like Han Solo's blaster was originally, um, I can't remember the name of the gun, but it was like a, a German pistol. Is it, Ma- it? Is it a Mauser? Mauser, that's right. Yeah. And then people online are just like snapping up all these original mouses because they want to take like, yeah. the barrel off and make it into a Han Solo DL44. If, if a Graflex um, flash gun comes on eBay, it'll go for hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You yeah. know, so just because somebody wants to make a, a lightsaber out of an original Graflex rather than a replica. Yes, it's wonderful. I love it all. I love it all. <laughs> um, okay, so as you said, um, Steve, your number three was uh, yeah. Luke in The Mandalorian. So, Neil, what's your number three? So it's a character again, and it's um, the one that all us boys, the man that all us boys wanted to be, well, I assume we all wanted to be, is Han Solo, uh, particularly in the first two movies um, when you were all young, and he was the hero of the tale, you know, we I don't know what it was about Luke that never struck me as being, I don't know, maybe he was a bit whiny when I was young and uh, Han Solo was very cocksure, wasn't he, and off and away. But it also resonates with Harrison Ford. Um, He was great because I was, and I still have a real affinity for um, uh, Indiana Jones as well. And I think it's what he brought to the character that made Mm. it. Uh, that you wanted to be Han Solo. Han Solo was the cool one. Han Solo had the coolest suit and things like that. So, yeah, I think Star Wars would be a shitty universe without him, wouldn't it? it Absolutely. Would and and isn't it great that he did the sequels because mm. you know, he's the one character you wanted. Well, you wanted all of them back and it wouldn't have been the same had he not wanted to do it. No. And, I know, think it would have been awful if they'd have killed him off in Return of the Jedi like they originally he originally yeah. wanted to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now, in hindsight, thinking about it. it Even that been. moment when he's back in Rise of Skywalker is lovely. Yeah. That's my favourite scene of, yeah. of that movie, without a doubt. Yeah. He looks yeah. a little bit different. It looks like he's maybe had some work done on some Botox. He looks... <laughs> he's technically dead, Pavel. But I mean, he, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's yeah, true. You know. But I will say, after The Force oh, wow. Awakens and after what happens to him in Force Awakens, I find it very hard watching A New Hope. Because he's like, he's young, he's, like I say, he's cocksure. And I'm thinking to myself, all the way through watching A New Hope, oh, you don't know what's going to happen to you. Your son is going to kill you. Yeah. It's so heartbreaking because <laughs> he's there and he's like, you know, he's chatting up Princess Leia and he's, 
It was really hard to watch the like the New Hope. The, I'm, I'm all right now. I've got over it now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really strange. It was a strange feeling. Does, does um, anybody know how he was going to die in Return of the Jedi? If if they were going to do it, how they were going to off him? I don't know. It's obviously no handed around a lot, wasn't it? No, I, must I don't think. Any, I don't think it was ever really. I mean, someone on my, it might be online somewhere. Yeah, I must have a look. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my number three is the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. Talk about design. <coughs> I can. I will still just sit and look at my helmet. That sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> the the one that's up there, my Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> I always gotta let the side down. Um, I think it's a thing of beauty. Um, mm. I know yeah, it's, it's only a, a Black Series one, and there's ones you can get that's a lot more expensive than that. Uh, but I think the sleekness of it, the, the character as well, I love the character, but the whole design of that character, the way he looks, I don't think, it doesn't matter how he stands, he always just seems to look really, really cool. Yeah. And there isn't anything about that character that I don't love. And that, I think, really ignited my love for Star Wars back again, yeah. right from the very first episode. Because it looks like Star Wars. Exactly. It looks like Star Wars. Exactly. And it it feels like it was, it could have been filmed back in 77. You Mm. know, is the whole aesthetic of it all is that it's dirty and grubby and it's not shiny, which I think there was one of the things about the the prequel trilogy is everything like, especially on Naboo, everything was very shiny. All the ships were shiny. Everything was shiny, beautiful palaces and stuff. Whereas this is like, Gritty and grimy, and lovely. Mm. Agreed. I'm, I'm with you 100 on that. It's a fantastic yeah. series. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely good. I'm glad everybody in, agrees to that one. <laughs> um, so, Steve, you had the lightsaber at number two. I did. Uh, <clears throat> Neil, what's your number two? So, I personally believe the movies and everything wouldn't be what they were without John Williams. So, it's John Williams' score. I think is. I still listen to them now. Um, I think it probably is one of the best movie scores or themes ever. And I don't think it's been topped. I mean, some people might argue, but I just think they wouldn't be the film they are without it, truly. And so, yeah, John Williams. Absolutely. And, you you know, you can put that that music on his, you know, the, the... you can put it on at any time. It's instantly recognisable, even it? even an incidental piece of music. You know exactly where it's from, and mm. the fact that it, you know the the music that he wrote for all of them, and including Rise of Skywalker, which was just brilliant, absolutely yeah. fantastic. So, yeah, without a doubt, I'm 100 percent with you. Mm. I'm if just going to disappear for a sec while I plug my battery in. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. How <laughs> pro- professional. Yeah, um, but yeah, I still like you say, and it's nice to listen to the scores as well through your headphones, mm. and just you can picture what's going on in the movie. And it's that's, I mean, I it's quite often a, when I'm led in bed after I've read my book and I want a bit of music to fall asleep to, I quite often put one of the soundtracks on. Well, that's the eye opening thing about the A New Hope soundtrack mm. is like the, the second track or whatever is mm. the ship coming over, but it also has the bit where the Death Star is going to blow up at the end of that particular piece of music, which is a little bit confusing because that's the start of the movie and the end of the movie in one track. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But that's, that's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to go at him. Um, yeah. I'll say a little bit more about that subject a little bit later on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, right. So that, oh, no, my, my number two is 
the best ship in the world, the best movie vehicle in the world, the Millennium Falcon has to be for me. Um, only number two because of, I've said this before, because of my number one, which of course makes sense. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again until you've sat with a Millennium Falcon in front of you with the sun going down, you don't realize just how beautiful it is. And seeing it as a full size ship in front of you is breathtaking. It's absolutely, there is, is, it's like the, the next wonder of the world when you Mm. see it in front of you as a tangible thing that you can get pretty close to. You can't get right up close to it, but you can get pretty close to it. Um, Beautiful design of it. Um, Iconic. I'm quite happy to say that word for the Millennium Falcon. And um, I can't wait to see Steve's finished model. So get on Uh, with it, man. It's in the the loft, so I can't even show it you. But I am 150% behind you on that. It it is the most amazing design. Uh, I was lucky enough to sit in the cockpit when it was at Harrods and have my photos taken of that. Um, That was a fanboy moment. I am hugely jealous of you being going to galaxy's edge it is on my bucket list i just want to go in like you stare at it and go because it is just an incredible piece of design and uh it's iconic it's the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy everything and yeah it just works really i mean it's completely you know when you look at it it doesn't actually fit in the, the model doesn't actually work for it to be full size you couldn't actually fit inside it apparently yeah right. uh, if, you, if you walked around it but that's a minor detail but yeah it, it is the coolest ship really and i'm absolutely obsessed with it you know i've got models of it i've got books about it i've got more videos about the design of it than i care to imagine um and and i'm building one as well and when we i went to the star wars exhibition it was in london a few years ago and they had the original model there and i think i took about 200 photos of it on my phone and mm. you know it was just staring at it because it's again made with those airfix kits or kit bashed or the original bits um absolutely amazing and yes I am with you 150%. Mm. And it, 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 when you do look at it, every it's like you, you feel like every little pipe, every little piece of like gribbly has a job. It has a yeah. job to do. And that's why I love those, um, the cross sections books. Yeah. Um, where it will tell you exactly what that is for and, and what exhaust port that is. And I love all that kind of... Like- See, when Force Awakens came out, I, I, you know, I was even geek enough to compare the photos of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, right. <laughs> With the original, to see, and and they got it absolutely bang on, absolutely really? bang on, absolutely bang on. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Right before we reveal our number one Star Wars thing, um, Steve, if you want to give us a rundown between number ten and number two, please. Yeah, so my ten was Darth Vader's attack at the end of Rogue One, going on to Tantive Four. Uh, number nine was the Emperor in Rise of Skywalker. Eight. Um, Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc pit, seven, the Cantina, six, R2-D2, five, the Trench Run, four, Darth Vader, three, Luke's appearance in The Mandalorian, two, lightsabers, Luke's lightsaber, whatever, and number one... Don't don't give us your number one yet. (laughs) (laughs) Neil, give us your ten to two, please. Here we go. Number ten, I had the Force. Number nine was Boba Fett. Number eight was the X-Wing. Number seven, R2-D2. Number six, Atat. Number five, Darth Vader. Four, the lightsaber. Three, Han Solo. And number two, John Williams' score. Lovely. And mine is number ten, the lightsaber. Nine, the Phantom Menace trailer. Eight, Grogu. Seven, I Love You, I Know. 
Six, the Star Wars Celebration 2016. Five, Luke's return in the Mandalorian Series 2 finale. Four, Star Wars production design. Three, the Mandalorian. And number two, the Millennium Falcon. So, Steve, what is your number one Star Wars thing? The Millennium Falcon. Hey! Well, I might as well join in because that's my number one. Ah, Brilliant, Neil. Amazing. That's my number one. Yeah, the most iconic, I would say, movie spaceship out there and probably the only thing that we've talked about that i haven't got a bit of in my little studio (laughs) (laughs) i haven't got anything sadly not no yeah very cool yeah it's just brilliant and i envy you pav i really do i mean we we both spoke about it but galaxy's edge i mean hell we must have another business trip coming up soon mate (laughs) i'll be there for it mate my wife won't like it but i'll be there for it and we'll bring nibsy along as well i reckon yeah come along on our business trip nibsy that sounds great that sounds a really good idea it's definitely i mean i was i was very lucky to go but to be able to go my wife was i think my wife was done after an hour of walking around galaxy's edge she said i've seen it all that's fine so the following day when i or a couple of days later when i went by myself um, and I was staying, I stayed in a hotel on the Disney World lot so I could get there the following day at like rope drop or I think it's magic hours. So you go like an hour earlier, but to see the sun going down. So you have like a beautiful sort of orangey purple sky and a dark sky. And just, I sat there, I think I sat there for about an hour and a half, not doing anything, just sat there watching the sun going down. It was mm. It was the closest thing I've come to like a spiritual experience I've ever had in my life. You felt the force. I genuinely, genuinely did. I genuinely did. Because I don't think you can't compute in your mind what this thing, you see it on the foot. I've seen it millions of times on the screen or on pictures or whatever. But to see it as an actual thing in front of you is, it's just a beautiful thing. And it's a, a, as much as you think it's a beautiful design to see it up close and to literally see every wire and pipe and tube, it's it's just fantastic. And also testament to the the people that put it together for the new films and for Galaxy's Edge, because when it was put together originally, it was just a load of old car and engine parts and jet plane parts. Yeah. That they slapped on in no particular order. So yeah. to recreate it is amazing. I did think to myself this morning, I thought if I ever win the lottery and I've got a few million... I would pay someone to make me an, a full-size Millennium Falcon to have in the garden of wherever I was living. Because I wouldn't. Would you be able to go in it or just to? Look? Oh yeah, I would have it completely kitted out exactly like <laughs> as it would be in real life. So Amazing. I could go inside, be outside. I mean, obviously not fly. That's that's ridiculous. But <laughs> to have a, you know, wouldn't it be amazing? But anyway, God good. knows how much that would cost. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to win. You'd like to help Pavo achieve his dream of having (laughs) Call the number on the screen. Yes, please. Benefit concert. Please, please do. Uh, Right, we got some honourable mentions. Uh, Have you done your number one yet? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. My number one. We're all waiting for your number one now. (laughs) My number one uh, was the John Williams music. Ah, excellent. That's my number one. Um, Yeah, just a little bit of info. There are. There are a few people that when they pass away, I will be devastated. Carrie Fisher was one of them, although I didn't realise at the time that I would be devastated. I can remember sitting in the living room that Christmas when we heard about it, and I told my wife, and as I told my wife, I just started crying. I never thought I would 
feel that way about Carrie Fisher. But then when my wife said, look, she's been like in your life nearly all your life. Of mm. course you're going to be upset that she's died. I said, yeah, but it's stupid. I've never met her. She goes, yeah, but she's someone that means a lot to you. And someone like John Williams, I think is another person that he's been the soundtrack of my life for mm. everything but eight years of my life. And it's not just Star Wars, but Indiana Jones, E.T., Jaws, Closing... It's crazy, the, the, the Harry Potter, all the things that he has done. And you've only got to do two seconds of a piece of John Williams' music, and you know exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, so he's another one of those guys. So it had to be for me. Again, as much as the production design, Star Wars isn't Star Wars without the the john williams music isn't that great that we all had the sort of merged ones and twos so to speak. yeah 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 and i do yeah. love the fact that that um is it ludwig goranson who's doing the mandalorian music um hopefully is, is going to carry on that tradition because that the, the mandalorian music i think is fantastic as well yeah. it's mm. it's it's so memorable um but yeah god bless john williams may he live forever um probably not going to happen but anyway uh honorable mentions mary jane sims says got to be the action and the sound of the lightsabers <laughs> just like that jen berg i'm going to say ewoks just so i can hear the disappointment in your voice i love the ewoks mm. we all love the ewoks don't we yeah, could you imagine what it would have been like if they'd have done it originally with all the Wookiees? That would have been terrifying it would have been terrifying some of the ewoks are terrifying to be fair yeah yeah Okay. Uh, Doug Simpson <laughs> says the music of John Williams and yes. more recently for Mandalorian and Boba Fett, Ludwig Göransson. Uh, two, the way meme culture helped a generation to revisit and fall in love with the prequels. Uh, three, the corridor moment, uh, which I'm assuming is the, Har- uh, the Han Solo corridor moment. Uh, have a blast guys can't wait to hear this. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Matt Odd says tough one always had a soft spot for the rancor. More so after Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was a that great was moment. Good. That was, that yeah, was yeah. a nice recall, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was... Um, oh, what was the guy's name? Who was the Rancor Keeper in the Mandalorian, in Boba Fett? Oh. Uh, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Oh, yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Manda Brown says, Always love the Ewoks, but the best thing ever was the Return of the Jedi arcade game. I used to work at Hoborn, and after every day shift, I used to play it and completed it over and over again. I used to love that. We are now mm. part of the tribe. That was That's amazing. Uh, Chatty Geek HD said, Oh my golly, gumdrops. First five that come to mind the Jedi Code, Master Yoda, the Force, the lightsaber, and the soundtracks. So there you go. Thank you very much, everybody, for your uh, honourable mentions. So what are you looking forward to then, Steve, in regards to like the future of Star Wars? Um, that it maintains the level that The Mandalorian did, and we don't get to a point where we go, we don't need you to make any more. That's right. what I worry about, that we just get a bit of too much Star Wars. I mean, we were patient, weren't we? We waited 30 years for something new. Mm. But I think, you know, we need, they need to be really careful now. Um, Obi-Wan, if that's really good, I'm sort of, part of me goes, right, stop now. You know, we'll have another series of The Mandalorian, but I don't really need much else. I know there's others coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the promised new trilogy that's unrelated to the Skywalker saga, that sounds promising. If they can keep it, they can make it as good. This is the point is if it's as fresh and as good as the Mandalorian has been, then that's great. 
but I mm. think they just need to be a little bit careful. Mm. Exactly. And what about you, Neil, in regards to like the movies? Where would you like to see the movies? Well, like Steve just said, I, I, I think it'd be nice to, to carry on the Star Wars saga, but s- steer away from the Skywalker saga, go mm. somewhere fresh with it, um, and then keep it fresh. You know, they proved that they can do it with the Mandalorian, even though it did have callbacks to the Skywalker saga. You know, I think it'd be really nice just to set something up that's new and fresh, but within uncomfortable. I just want to know what happened to the little kid with a broom at the end of The Last Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's where it's going to be. He's got to come into some somehow, hasn't he, with his broom? Yeah, that was what was so disappointing. Ryan Johnson tried to change everything and open up the universe, and they just shut it again, didn't they? Mm. Um, Right, so so this is what my, my final scene of Rise of Skywalker, I feel, should have been. Because they sort of set up that Finn is Force-sensitive. Don't you think that that, that was yeah. one of the things that he wanted mm. to say to Ray? So he, she goes to Tatooine, I mean, and buries the lightsabers or whatever. But she turns around and that woman says, what's your name? Oh, I'm a Skywalker. She turns around and there's Broom Boy, there's Ray, there's Finn, and they all got lightsabers and then she's going to go off and start her own like Jedi training. Because it was sort of, it would then tie in a little bit with that just that random bit of that that kid that is obviously force sensitive. Yeah. Obviously, then that would open it up for, say, five, six, seven, eight, nine years time when they do episodes ten, eleven, twelve. That's what I would love to have seen. You know, instead of just finishing on that shot of the the, the dual sons, which we've seen so many times, I just thought that would have been oh right, so they you know the Jedi are going to be coming back. And it's Ray that's gonna that's gonna move Lead on. the way. Yeah, I, I was quite happy with the way it ended. But I, you know, <laughs> I you know I think the Skywalker saga is done now, and I think that's a good yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. It just do you not to... do you not think that they'll wait ten years and it'll be an older Ray and they'll possibly bring back? maybe that's the time to do it, but not yet. Right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, they just Disney just needs to be a little bit careful now. I think they're getting a bit overexcited. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly glad that they finished with the Star Wars film every year. Mm, yeah, because that I, yeah, because I don't that I mean as much as I love Star Wars, that that would be too much. Mm, yeah, it was great when it was a Star Wars film every three years because the anticipation grew. Yeah, you know, I'll just hear these little things of this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Right, it's just too, it is too much. You can have too much Star Wars, I think. Do we take it that everything that they sort of mentioned a few years ago that they were going to try and do or achieve has been knocked on the head? You know, like Ryan Johnson's trilogy and things like that. Has that Excuse all me. been? Well, I don't, I don't, it's never. I don't think it's ever been said whether it's it's been cancelled or it's carrying on because the the guys from Game of Thrones are supposed to have their own trilogy, weren't they? Yeah. And I think that's ended up now. I think being cancelled. Um, I think they've parked everything for the moment, haven't they? Because the Disney Plus series are doing so well. Yeah, they're they're holding back, but although isn't I think there's a work on a standalone film. I understand. Well, but. yeah, because there's the Rogue Squadron, which was done by the lady that did the Wonder Woman movies, which yeah. was uh, an X-wing movie that's been now cancelled apparently. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure in regards to. I think that was who was it? They said, oh, uh, Taika Waititi is doing a Star Wars movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but well, I don't know that, that again. They haven't said what it is or or what it's about, but but then again, they they say these things for movies all the time, don't they? And then nothing ever happens, do. or yeah, so it, it can change. It can change all the time, but who knows? Disney will want their 
$4.6 billion back, won't they? So they they must be pretty close to it by now anyway. I I reckon. Just with Endgame alone. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So that's it. Uh, Neil, do you want to let everybody know exactly how they can get in touch with us and all that? Of course I will. So you can find us on all the social medias at Top10Pods. Do give us a click, give us a like, give us a follow. You can email us at top10pods at hotmail.com where you could give us suggestions for your own top tens or any other questions you may have for us. Please do come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash top10pods where you can get all sorts of rewards such as the episode super early and you could even be a guest on your own show. Check out all of our links via Linktree. You can find the link in the show notes. And please do come and subscribe. Give us a click. Give us a rating. Give us a review on wherever you may get your podcast from. Wonderfully done. Steve, it was always a pleasure to talk to you, especially about Star Wars. Uh, Anytime. You know that. It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys as well. Awesome. Um, And that's it. So thank you very much, Neil. Thank you, Pav. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much, Steve. Bye. Thank you very much, everybody. May the force be with you, and let's go start the countdown. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.